Before we get into this podcast, this episode may at times contain reference to sensitive content that may include psychedelics, drug use, and the use of plant medicine. AC advises not to listen to this podcast if you're likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of the topics. Hi, and welcome to the Australian Counseling Association's podcast, The Counselor's Couch. Today, we are joined by Amira Shah from Road to Recovery. Welcome, Amira, and thank you for coming and joining us today. Thank you, Sam, for having me. Um, I'm actually quite excited. Yeah, so are we, that's for sure. Um, All right, let's get into it. So I guess my first question is, what path led you to where you are today with your career? Hmm, that's a loaded question. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one to start with. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, I think that this is going to sound really cliche, but it's always been something um, that I was naturally good at um, and something I was always interested in. So I think it was a natural inclination. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And I mean, I would be quite, I can be quite ignorant um, in terms of like situational awareness, but I'm always observant when it comes to people. Um, So, and it's always been like that. So I, I don't know, maybe part of it was natural inclination. The other part was just curiosity, just a deep curiosity about humans. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I know you specialize in grief. Um, Can you explain to our listeners what a grief counselor does? There might be, I know there's sometimes some misconception about that or, you know, some um, uh, misunderstanding. So do you mind explaining to us a little bit about Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, actually, it's a really good question because one, so I have my own podcast um, and it's called Science of the Soul. So science as in math science, not science as in um, street signs. Um, so one of the first episodes is me uh, debunking um, the myths of grief and how g- grief counseling works. So one of the misunderstandings is that grief is only about someone who has died. So it's not only about losing someone to death, it's about losing job, maybe stability, freedom, sovereignty, losing relationships, losing agency. You know, you see that a lot of these things with like, um, you know, human displacement, um, losing security, uh, connection, support. Um, and we also grieve over hope the loss of hope when you see there is no hope. You grieve over the loss of innocence. You think about rape survivors, things like that. Um, And you grieve over future dreams that you think you would have and things that you're planning for that suddenly now is not ever gonna happen again. We also grieve over our health. We lose our health over time. Um, Our abilities, you know, so if you think about being diagnosed with a chronic illness or, you know, losing you know, like agency with our bodies and control, like, you know, incontinence, things like that, certain aspects of our lives. You can think about people who have been diagnosed with um, MS, for example, you know, the list goes on. So we grieve over various different types of losses. And it is, it, it's almost... It, 
it's universal and, and, and it is part of the human experience whenever we transition as well. And it highlights the universal feature of um, impermanence in life. So although on one hand, grief is really natural, most of us have experienced it in some shape or form um, and we learn to cope with it. Sometimes we do need a little bit of help and grief counseling can be very helpful in cases of disenfranchised grief um, where other people don't recognize the grief um, that you might be going through. Maybe they can't see that, you know, you are now diabetic or you now have um, ALS or you, the person, some, someone in your life has died and it's so important to you, but nobody can understand that relationship because it is not your mother or your brother. Um, and grief counseling can also be for when you need someone to just witness your loss, to hear your story and hold that space for you. Because a lot of people, you think that people can do that, but they try to generally um, give offer words of comfort because it's uncomfortable to be with someone who is uncomfortable and sad. And, and you know, with good intention. It's hard to find someone where you can talk about your sadness and your grievances over and over and over because because it needs to be repeated and it's hard to find someone that can listen to you over and over and over again the same story um and not say anything to try and help um so and it's not about i guess um moving on people think that oh you know i should be moving on by now you know it's been a year it's been like five years it's not really about that it's about moving forward with the loss because it has changed you you are now transformed you're not the person you were before your loss um so how we can actually incorporate the loss and the suffering from that loss of what you value and you love into your life story and to make meaning from the loss and that's this is what my research is on is is the meaning making aspect of the loss how are you going to create or recreate the story of your life given that this has happened to you because that's what loss is it's something that has happened to you you don't action it mm -hmm. in that sense so um grief counseling can also help us honor the loss by doing something the name of it um giving it a voice giving it some time some tears because i mean as we know we can't really suppress it so it'll, it'll catch up with you in one way or another um like most intense emotions yeah, absolutely. And I know you just touched on your research. Do you mind um, telling us a little bit about your PhD a bit more in detail? Hmm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so basically my PhD is, all my, my research is on bereavement and Islam in Southeast Queensland. Islam because, you know, I was raised a Muslim. And um, with most religions, uh, organized religions, uh, you have a set of prescribed mourning beliefs and rituals. And bereavement is basically when you lose someone to death. Um, 
you it, it's a community a communal experience you know and and coming from a collectivist background as well um when someone dies in islam everyone's involved it's also i mean it's very similar in many 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 cultures actually and there's certain things that the faith believes in or that you accept certain propositions um that you adopt and everyone is clued in on that so when you have a funeral everyone there thinks that you think the same way and they will say the same things to you and it may or may not sit because right now we live in i wouldn't i don't like to use the word multicultural we live in a transcultural uh, society where you know it, it, there's a lot it's 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 about cultural hybridity so you have um someone like me i'm a migrant you know um I'm of I mean I was raised Muslim. Um I'm an Australian resident. I've, you know, um been brought up in Southeast Asia and the Middle East. Like there's so much going on there. <laughs> um my accent is a bit strange. I don't even know what it is. It's bastardized basically. Um I've been to, you know, various international schools like it's an amalgamation of cultures and that's I mean your name itself you told me earlier before we started recording that it's um macedonian yeah and that's here right. you are yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so we all present with um uh, different cultures you know within us and when something existential hits us all these cultural elements and all these beliefs and all these and all the people around us they all interact and that can really open up some big questions because we were raised to believe certain things we grow up and we have adopted and um inherited various cultures and other beliefs um and we have a mind and we think and we sort through that and then someone dies and you're just like what just happened here and it brings you back home in a sense like how do i negotiate this experience with my beliefs and with the people around me so that's my research um it ha- it's happening in two stages so the first stage which has been completed yay me um, <laughs> congrats <laughs> thanks um which is me speaking to the bereaved muslims in australia i mean in southeast queensland um and their experiences and i spoke to 20 people 20 bereaved muslims of you know they're all adults and not a single person has uh, no two people have the same cultural background at all it's so diverse it's beautiful i enjoyed it so much um and the second part of the study was me uh speaking with uh, practitioners um who support um bereaved muslims or bereaved people in general um so i speak to social workers support workers counselors uh, and also um imams so i'm looking at both the secular and the religious streams wow that's so interesting i'm really excited to um see where that goes and um where it takes you that's fascinating so i know you just mentioned that you know no two people have the same approach or beliefs um i know something that you're really interested in is um 
alternative forms of, of healing. Um, do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so one of the ways that I, so my background is not only in grief, but also in trauma. And I'm no expert, I'm always learning. Um, but I like to work with trauma and emotions um, with the body. And I found it actually quite, I've been amazed many times um, with, with yin yoga specifically. So um, I do trauma-informed yoga. Um, and well, basically what I'll do is we'll chat, I'll chat to client. It'll be a slightly longer session. And then we'll do a series of yin yoga poses given, um, you know, their background, what they've been through and things like that. Um, and sometimes when you, so when yin yoga, you're holding the poses for a really long time mm -hmm. for three to five minutes and you are practicing stillness. And when that happens, um, things can come up. Uh, so it is basically counteracting the fight, flight, freeze, fawn <laughs> response. <laughs> I think that's like four Fs now, which would be the yang. So that's the cortisol. So it works with the parasympathetic nervous system. So I do that and then whatever that comes up, of course they can get off the pose whenever they want, whatever that comes up for them, uh, we can chat afterwards. So there's a debrief. So it's a bit longer than a usual session. Um, but it reinstates the connection of, of touch within yourself as well. And it's using your body to bring to surface your subconscious emotions. And that's happened with me in just a yin yoga class at the gym, um, where suddenly I just burst into tears in a pose. Um, and it was because, you know, I, was, I happened to be experiencing the grief from losing my mother. So it's really about using the body to gently release the emotional pain. Um, plus you get that inward focus, that introspection, um, and, and it's very healing. It's also confronting. Um, like I said, you know, things come up when we're in certain poses, it opens up. Um, and we learn to hold and observe and accept the lessons our body have in store for us. Um, so in, in a matter, way of thinking, you can think of it like the body speaking to us. So we just kind of have to like sit down, observe and listen. And things like areas like the hips and the jaws, they tend to hold a lot of tension. Um, so when we start to release these parts um, with safety and security, because this is a lot of trauma work, you need to be, you need to have rapport with, with, with the people you're working with. Um, and the meditation aspect as well, um, which is, you know, ingrained in yin yoga. So that's one of the, one of the things that I practice. The other one, which um, I preach and I just started practicing um, is martial arts. Oh, wow. So um, that's another approach to uh, trauma. Yeah. Can you tell uh, us recovery. a bit more about that? That sounds interesting. <laughs> There's so much literature on this. You should look uh, it up, actually. Do you guys do any martial arts? Oh, as a child, but not, not as an adult. Okay. What no. did you do? Oh, just Taekwondo or those, you know, children's classes that 
more for fun than you know okay. anything <laughs> okay well i was recently um i take on the white belt oh wow <laughs> i was probably yeah i think i was the oldest newbie <laughs> yeah i remember as a child i think i got to a yellow belt which is maybe the the next one after yep. white belt um i think that's as far as i took it but well that sounds great i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like you show up three times a week and you're you're there and you know you're going to be horrible you're going to be absolutely incompetent (laughs) um but yeah I, i wanted to to practice or learn martial arts because i know that um you know the literature points towards it being quite healing and actually a few of my clients i'm surprised that they haven't gotten in a bad way and that they're really really successful given the trauma background that they've they've had and it's it this is what they do. They meditate and they do martial arts and they um, they do yoga. I was so shocked. I was appalled. I'm just like, your story, I don't know if that happened to me, if I'd still be here. Um, and yeah, so, well, the thing about martial arts is because they have a similar track record for similar reasons with like with yoga, because it equips you with the skills and empowers you towards your healing journey. And so, my first experience, um, for some reason, I had no idea that this was still lurking beneath. My body had some subconscious memory that it was still holding on to. And I remember it when my teacher, he was teaching me some self-defense uh, moves and he grabbed me, um, obviously very gently to demonstrate. And I just, teared up because I remembered oh it was not cognitive at all my body seemed to remember it It was immediate and I just got scared and I freaked out because of some past experiences and I'm just like oh my god this is what they're talking about in all those papers (laughs) this is why it works so subsequently um you know it's not only changing my character, um, not personality, character. Um, I'm learning more about myself and you know assertiveness or lack of and things like that. And as I keep practicing, I no longer get upset. So it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else that um, that you that you use alternative forms of trauma healing or? Anything else apart from yoga and martial arts? <laughs> now that you've asked. Yes, tell us. <laughs> um, well, the other thing that is really um, prominent in the research right now is psychedelics. And I'm sure a lot of us know about it. Um, from my understanding, I think there are five major universities in Australia right now that are doing clinical trials and research um, on psychedelics. And I think one of it is a university in in Sydney. I can't remember which one it is, but they're doing, they're working on something to cure or help with meth addiction. So it's not only for trauma, but also for addiction. And um, Obviously, actually, we would probably know by this month whether the TGA has approved the use of psychedelics in clinical uh, settings, but um, I have not checked. But we have started in Australia the course for psychedelics-assisted therapy, 
and um, it's considered basically a breakthrough therapy but not just taking mushrooms and you know tripping out in the room on your own <laughs> it has to be um, in, a, in a certain setting it has to be in a therapeutic setting to gain you know the benefits and you have to be there with some intention as well um, so basically like I've mentioned it is mostly or yeah it's mostly used for PTSD and treatment resistant depression and addiction so um, they're using ayahuasca LSD MDMA and mushrooms and I'm doing the course I'm starting the course the psychedelics assisted therapy course next year in March I believe I think it's a four months course and it's run by the guys from you know the pioneers from John Hopkins and Samford and various other universities I think um, so people like Rick, Dr. Rick Doblin um, James Fadiman, uh, Dr. Gabo Mate, who is a trauma specialist, um, I think people from Harvard and um, Israeli universities as well. And so I'll find out more, I guess. But I, from my understanding is that the psychedelic assisted therapy typically involves talk therapy alongside the ingestion of a classical psychedelic such as psilocybin or LSD or something. And researchers and clinicians often described three distinct therapy phases. So the prep, the preparation, the acute psychedelic experience, and then the integration. So now that you've had this experience, what now? Where do we go from here? Um, and the non-psychedelic elements of this approach are essential for the effectiveness and the safety. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll, I have a lot to learn. So do you yourself have any experience with psychedelics and are you comfortable um, speaking about it if you do? I am comfortable. I'm actually happy to talk about it. Um, I don't believe that it's been talked about enough I think there's, you know, there's a lot of caginess around it. So thank you for asking. Um, yes, I have had some experiences with psychedelics. Um, I've tried for a short period of time microdosing with mushrooms. And it was only a profoundly positive experience. Um, I've worked while I'm on um, a microdose of mushrooms, um, I've written, I have interacted with people, I've helped people as well, um, and everything, cognitively, everything was clearer, it was faster, uh, my mood was always good, not in a, you know, a little bit too happy in elfy kind of way just slightly elevated and that also seemed to somehow um improve my state of mind so i could think clearly i was happy um i could connect with people a lot better so when i spoke with clients i could actually almost feel what they're feeling 
and really zone in. Like I wouldn't even need to write notes. And after, and I usually write notes. I think it's an anxiety thing. I'd be like, oh, I won't, I won't forget. I won't remember. I'll forget. But when I was microdosing, um, I remembered everything, and I didn't have to write anything down. And I was just there with them in the moment, extremely present, um, but not in a way that it impacted me. Uh, negatively if they were upset or anything it was more my empathy was like on overdrive but it didn't take a toll on me if that makes sense um so I really enjoyed that it was it was awesome and it seemed to continue even though I'd stopped taking it um my mood and my state of mind and that 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 clarity that I got the mental clarity that I got kind of just remained with me for ages, ages and ages and ages. It was as if I had done like an hour worth of serious meditation every morning. It was like that, like when you're really in the zone or you have really taken way too much um, fish oil. <laughs> Omega 3s. And you're like, wow, I am so clear right now. Um, it was similar to that. And um, what else? Well, I've, I've used it recreationally, um, and I've actually listened to the John Hopkins playlist on Spotify um, whilst uh, having some mushrooms. Um, and that was intense, and it gave me some pretty deep and profound insights, which I'm not going to get into right now because it will be a very long conversation. <laughs> But I just love how it resets. It resets my values, my beliefs, and my priorities. And it just makes me feel connected to almost every sentient living thing. Um, and I know, I know it's, it doesn't, you can't describe it with words because then you just sound really floofy. Um, so I'm just gonna stop. It's, yeah, it's just an, it's, yeah. it's a different experience. I like that idea of a reset. I think that's a really interesting way mm -hmm. to, um, to think about it. But um, wow, this is, yeah. But I have not done it in a therapeutic setting because no one's been trained to, yes. to, you know, so I haven't had the chance. But I'm pretty sure we'll get a chance next year when I'm doing the course. And I'm really looking forward to, to using this um, to be able to help a lot more people because, you know, 10 years of therapy or like five years of therapy, like $100 every time. And then you have four solid afternoons where you are confronted and you cannot run away. You're just absolutely confronted with your own demons and you got to deal with it. And you're not alone. That's the best part. You're not alone. You have somebody there with you to walk you through that you know, the, your own demons, the darkest parts of your mind and your soul. So you don't have to be afraid. And it's just like a few afternoons compared to like thousands of dollars and, you know, therapy going back and forth and find, oh, you know, it's like you are healing yourself with a little bit of help. So I'm really passionate about, about that because imagine the quality of life yeah. that you can have back so soon and you can actually live it. I'd like to share a quote. Um, by Alan Watts and it's about psychedelics and therapy he said if you get the message hang up the phone for psychedelic drugs are simply instruments like microscopes telescopes and telephones 
The biologist does not sit with the eye permanently glued to the microscope. He goes away and works on what he has seen. So that would be the integration or the integrative uh, aspect of the psychedelic assisted therapy. Wow, that's powerful. And they're actually a really good segue um, into our next question, which is something that um, we often ask um, people and we get some interesting responses. Um, and the question is, what is one or the most important lesson that you've learned so far in your career? It's hard to say or pinpoint one important lesson um, because I've learned so many things in so many areas um, not only in terms of like information or knowledge but about myself and about people as well um, and you know professionally I think the one thing that will keep coming back one thing that I cannot look away from is how much I don't know and that I don't know what I don't know but I hope I'll know it someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, yeah. It's it's interesting to um to hear what responses we get from that, and that's, I mean, it's great that you know that's something that you are working towards. And that's question um to Amira is it relates more to our listeners. Um, and as you know, the members of the Australian Counselling Association are quite varied in their experience and qualifi- qualifications and skills. Um, but for those you know, counsellors that are listening to this podcast and may be interested in pursuing um, a career similar to yours um, and your area of work, what would your advice be? You're in for a ride because you're going to be confronted with a lot of stuff um, about yourself and you're going to have to sort through it. Otherwise, it'll be really hard for you to help other people in the way that they, de- they deserve to be helped. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as we come now to the end of the year and the holidays are just around the corner, um, it seems like a good time for reflection and learning. And and we often hear um, that the pandemic and the last few years have been a catalyst for personal change um, in attitudes and happiness and, you know, the way we live. Um, have the last few years made you reevaluate um, any of that within yourself? Yeah. Um- I have actually enjoyed the last couple of years, oddly enough. Um, But that's because I was given the opportunity um, to start my own practice, to do all the things I've always been curious about doing, like starting a podcast and learning how to make a YouTube video and finding other other avenues to kind of um, teach spread the information and the knowledge um, and just learning new things. So in that respect, it's been quite fun. Um, In terms of my research, I've had a ball this year. Nobody ever says that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a ball this year because it was data collection and it's been so interesting talking to people about their stories and their experiences and the it's been just eye-opening and just so much depth in there that I'm constantly um, being confronted with my own experiences. I'm always sorting through it. I'm always trying to, until today, understand um, 
theology a bit better, philosophy a bit better, psychology, trying to tie these things in. And it's kind of brought on maybe a slight obsession mm-hmm. <laughs> of an un- ongoing internal dialogue on aspects of religion, Abrahamic and non-Abrahamic, and the afterlife in relation to cognitive psychology, because, you know, it's part of my research um, is to um, explore how um, loss has impacted um, beliefs and spiritual positions of people of faith. And, you know, Islam is just an exemplar. There's so much to learn and so much to retain on top of that and then and then contemplate upon. So um, the other part that has become so clear to me in the past couple of years is that um, is realizing that being an expert on anything is almost a trivial statement, which is what I'm touching on, um, uh, or rather elaborating a little bit more about um, on your last question. But the goal is to die trying <laughs> to be an expert <laughs> on something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it was great to speak to you, Mira. Um, is there anything that you wish to add before we wrap up this chat or anything you want to say or speak more about? I think I'm good. Thank <laughs> you for this opportunity. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, um, so have we. And yeah, I hope to speak again at some point. Yes, and uh, we are very much looking forward to where um, your research takes you and um, keep tabs with you in the future and in 2022, which is just around the corner. So exciting stuff happening. Um, But, yeah, thank you again. And, um, yeah, look forward to um, putting this podcast out there. Thank you for tuning into the fourth episode of The Counselor's Couch. If you'd like to get in touch with Amira, we've added her details in the description box. Um, We hope everyone has a happy holiday season and we look forward to speaking to you in 2022.